So good. So we are, um, obviously, this is our last week of our series, Life, Money, Hope. And man, I've actually been enjoying it so much. Who'd have thought that you could get excited about what God has to say about money? But I really have been. I've been enjoying it so much. And uh, we've heard from a variety of speakers, which, I mean, part of our very deep talent pool at Oasis Church. We heard from Tabitha. We heard from Beck last week. And man, weren't they good? Let's just put our hands together for those guys. We've got some great speakers here at Oasis Church and, um, and funny as well, right? That's the feedback that I keep getting, how funny they are. Um, and Beck cracked quite a few jokes at the expense of her lovely husband. Um, but uh, we all had a good laugh and we know it's in, uh, in good humor. Um, but part of the feedback that I got from Beck and from Tabitha was how awkward they felt presenting this sort of information. I thought, oh, I just don't want to talk about this sort of stuff. And I asked myself, why, why do we get so kind of awkward when it comes to talking about money? Why, why do we get upset about it? Um, because I think once you understand what God has to say about money and how he wants to bless us through our finances, there shouldn't be any awkwardness at all. There should only be celebration and only be gladness. Um, and I hope that's what you guys, the message that you guys have been getting over the last few weeks is God has good things to say. He's not all about taking our money and neither is the church. It's not about taking, it's about giving and it's about being blessed by God. So um, not only do we get to share, do I get to share this final week about um, in this series, but we're also obviously going to worship God with this miracle offering, which I'm really, again, just so excited. And I feel like His presence here today is just an affirmation that God is with us and He wants to do a miracle. He wants to do a miracle in your life. But he wants to do a miracle through Oasis Church, not only now, but in the many years to come. And that really excites me. And I'm going to talk a little bit about, bit about more about that um, toward the end of the service. But um, we have an amazing story to tell you guys. Um, just Christian and myself over the last week just heard the most amazing news about our finances. And um, Christy's going to just get up and share quickly um, a little bit about this story, which um, we'd like to share with you. It's just so exciting. <laughs> oh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. I don't normally love to get up and share. Um, I won't show you how much I'm giving. Um, <laughs> um, you know, financial testimonies, unless they're real. And this was just so real for us. And I just wanted to encourage you with it all this morning. You know, a couple of months ago, um, I think most of you would know that we've been renovating our house and the reason that we renovated our house is because when we sold our business three years ago, we knew that we would have a capital gains tax bill and we were expecting around $80,000. So we renovated our house thinking that we would recoup that money and then make some money and we were trying to steward our finances really well. Anyway, it took quite a long time for our house to sell and I just felt challenged by God one morning just to give a financial offering and at, at that point... We had kind of used all of our surplus money to renovate our house and everything. But I, I felt from the Lord to just go ahead and give something over and above. So I did. And I texted you later in the day, hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Guess what I just did. Anyway, prayed over that and said, God, you know, I'm believing for miracles, for signs, and for wonders in our finances. And I've got to tell you that um, we went to the accountant about four weeks ago and it was a horrendous meeting and um, our last accountant had, had 
done not great things with our, with our um, books and it looked like we were in up for much more money than we ever thought possible. Um, and so we just started praying and we were like, we weren't worried. We we're like, God's got this and we sent all our bank statements back in. And I've got to tell you that we went to our accountant this week on Monday um, and for us, it was it's three years of having in our heads eighty thousand dollar tax bill, eighty thousand dollar tax bill, eighty thousand dollar tax bill. Just getting ready for that. Anyway, <laughs> he was going through everything, and and it wasn't quite sinking in. But basically, what happened was that instead of having an eighty thousand dollar capital gains tax bill, we are getting a refund. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you how much, but it's a lot. It's a lot. It will cover the massive accountant's bill that we got. And, you know, that, that I don't know if it's coming across, but it, it was, it's completely miraculous for us. To after three years of working ourselves up to get ready for this bill, the bill is actually gone and we're getting a refund. So we are just in awe of what God can do for us. That's a legitimate miracle. And he's able He's so able. So, you know, this morning I just, and Ewan's going to give you some time to fill out <coughs> our miracle offering envelopes later on. But I was just sitting there during worship and I thought, you know what? I actually think what a really good thing to do this morning, and I'm not saying this is a guarantee, but I just felt by the Holy Spirit that as we give our miracle offering this morning, we should write the miracle on the front that we need in our lives. So if you've got a miracle that you need, if there's something in your life, that you need to shift health, finance, whatever, home, um, children, parents, whatever the miracle is in your life that you need, just write it on the front and we'll pray over it. We'll pray over that miracle. So we've written our miracle and we're ready. So I want to encourage you this morning to be thinking, to be praying, writing down your miracle and getting ready for a great exchange. Okay. So good. Thanks, Christy. And you know, to be honest, she's understated it. The amount of money that we were looking down the barrel of having to pay over the coming years, because the ATO in their magnanimous nature um, said, you can pay it off over seven years if you like. And we're like, well, it really makes no difference. We can't pay it now. We won't be able to pay it in seven years' time. But anyway, um, it was, it was a, a big chunk. And we were like, well, it's in God's hands. We can't pay it. And, and that's one of the things that we find with our journey with God is that we come a come across mountains that just seemed unassailable. They just seemed way too high. There's no way. And the only way to overcome a mountain is like Beck said this morning, one step at a time. And keep being faithful. Keep trusting Him. Keep believing that He's with you. And keep putting one foot in front of the other. And you, are, you will be amazed, surprised, and delighted by what God can do through and in your life if you don't give up. So be encouraged this morning. I just know, I know that I know that I know that God has something wonderful in store for this church. I don't know what it is and I, I can't picture it, but I know that it's going to be better than I can imagine it. And it's going to be better than you can imagine it too. So let's um, sink our teeth into this final week of Life, Money, Hope. Um, the title is The Principle of First. So all through the Bible, there are themes and you've got to pay attention when you start seeing themes, okay? It's, it's one thing to find a Bible verse that, that's just random, and you can 
try your best to hang your hook on some kind of theology on it. But when there's a theme that goes from the very beginning all the way through the Bible, you need to sit up and pay attention. And this theme, the theme of first, the principle of first, is to be found throughout this this wonderful book um, that God has given to us. So I'm going to read to you an Old Testament, a bit of Old Testament, um, which is really part of God giving the law to Moses. And we're going to start from Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. That means set them apart. They're holy to me. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. It is mine. God's laying it out clear in black and white in the law saying the first bit belongs to me the first portion of anything you need to set it aside because it belongs to me and you might think to yourself well that's a little bit rich you know god sort of puffing up his chest and being proud and saying well it's all mine i get it i get the first bit but i don't think we're getting it he's just simply stating the fact that the first belongs to god it's the same way for those of us who are parents, every now and again, you've got to state the fact that to your kids, hey kids, I'm number one around here. <laughs> I'm the dad. I'm the mum. You're the kids, right? So when you're sipping on some Fanta or eating some Doritos, <laughs> that little joke was for Beck. Um, and your kid comes up and said, can I have some, can I have some, can I have some, can I have some? And you can say, no, because I'm the dad and you're the kid. Get back and wash the car. <laughs> I don't really say that because they wouldn't. But sometimes you just got to lay it out, don't you? Parents, can I hear an amen? You got to tell them, I'm the parent. There's got to be something that separates you and me. At the moment, I feel like we're equals. In fact, sometimes I feel like I'm lower than you. So God was simply stating a fact. I'm first. You're the created being. I am the creator. Let's read a little bit further down that same chapter, verse 12 and 13. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Sounds drastic. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, that sounds like a whole lot of hocus pocus, weird kind of law kind of stuff. And you think, what do you think to yourself, what is the relevance to me right now? So I'm going to break it down to give you some understanding. And it's actually quite incredible. But this is my first point. The first must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn, the first part needs to be either sacrificed or it needs to be redeemed. So in that last passage that I read out, there were clean animals and there were unclean animals. And God made it very clear that there were clean things and there were unclean things. And there was a very clear delineation between the clean and the unclean. So God was saying, for the, and, and so the donkey represents the unclean, and the lamb represents the clean. 
So if you gave, if your donkey gave birth to a, the first male donkey that was given birth to, that, that being an unclean animal, it needed to be redeemed. It needed to be redeemed. So you have a choice at that point. You can either have it redeemed by sacrificing a lamb or you can break its neck. So either way, you lose the donkey. Either way, you've got to lose something. And God was laying that out very clearly. So what does that mean to us today? What's the difference between clean and unclean? What's the relevance to us? Because we don't have donkeys and we don't have lambs. We don't have clean and unclean animals. But let's just make it real for us right now. What, like for you, for us, you and me, what are we? Are we clean? When we were born, were we clean or were we unclean? When your kids were born, when your kids were born, do you think that they were born clean or were they born unclean? Did you have to teach them to be unholy? Did you have to teach them to do things wrong? They just got it naturally, didn't they? They figured it out all on their own. They needed to be made clean. And you and me needed to be made clean. That's why we need a Savior in Jesus Christ. So we are, in using this analogy, we were like the donkey. We were born unclean. We needed to be redeemed. Now Jesus, was he born clean or was he born unclean? He was born clean. He was born clean. He was the firstborn of God. He was the Lamb of God. He was born clean. And as the firstborn male Lamb of God, He was sacrificed so that we could be redeemed. Isn't that amazing? An amazing thought that Jesus Christ, the firstborn of God, was sacrificed for you and me so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be made whole. This is another crazy thing about how themes, are just they just run all the way through the Bible. And in fact, Jesus was God's tithe. That was his firstborn that he was willing to sacrifice because the, the clean is sacrificed, the unclean is redeemed. So Jesus was sacrificed. And he wasn't sacrificed later on. He was sacrificed in advance. And this is what the tithe is for us. We give it in faith. We give it believing. We give it trusting God. Um, in Romans 5 verse 8, It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us in advance. He put the down payment. I believe that something good is going to come of this. I believe that these people are going to be redeemed. They're going to be set free. It was a a payment in advance. So for those people who gave birth to their lamb, it wasn't, well, you can have, you know, just wait a little while, wait until your lamb that gets born has more lambs and then maybe give one of those and give the one that has cross eyes and a bung leg. It's like, no, give the first. Believing in faith that God is going to bless me. That's a harder thing to do, isn't it? But that's my first lamb. That's the very first one. It looks so perfect and beautiful. I don't want to give it away because what if I don't have more lambs after that? It's so hard sometimes, but, you know, you think to yourself, is, is God making us do this for His sake? Is the whole point of the tithe about doing it for His purposes? Or is it something else? And, and it comes out in Malachi 3, verse 11, and I'm not going to read out the whole part. But God says, I will rebuke the devourer 
for your sake. Not for his sake, for your sake. The whole point of this is for you to be blessed, is for you to be encouraged, for you to be set free, and for the devourer to be rebuked over your life for your sake. All right. My second point is this, that the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. I'm going to define those for you a little bit more. Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10. So we're not no longer talking about the law. This comes from a book of wisdom called the Proverbs. And the writer says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. The first fruits. So what's the first fruits all about? The first fruits is the first um, batch, if you like, of fruit that comes off the vine. It's the first flush of fruit that comes off the orchard. It's the first bunch of olives that comes off the, the olive vine. And um, Beck Collins, by the way, thank you so much for putting olive branches up here this morning. And it does look amazing. Um, and it very, very much ties in with what I want to talk about olives. So come on, someone's listening to the Holy Spirit right now. Um, so it's the best part. You know, you guys, we've, we've become foodies as a, as a culture, haven't we? And we're all into our olive oil. We love our olive oil. You know, when I grew up as a kid, olive oil, what? what's olive oil? It was all sunflower oil and whatever was, was probably just called oil. You just go to the supermarket and buy oil. But now all of a sudden you've got choices and there's a whole bunch of oils, but olive oil is just the best. And you know, extra virgin olive oil is the best sort of oil. It's the freshest. It's like the most peppery. It's got the most flavor. It's rich and dark in color. It's lovely. We all love extra virgin olive oil. And um, so, so what is this extra virgin? I mean, I don't understand this extra virgin bit. Like I get, I get virgin, like virgin... Okay, I understand. Virgin, you know, going to go. Anyway, I get virgin, but what's extra virgin? What the heck is extra virgin? My goodness, what do they do? Like brush their teeth extra? Uh, anyway, extra virgin olive oil is the part, it's the oil from the first press. So they put all the, oil, all the olives into a vat and they press, they press down. And when they press down the first time, they get out the richest of the oil. It's called extra virgin. It's the best. It's got all the antioxidants in it. It's got the most flavor to it. That's, it's least, least acidic. It's just wonderful stuff. Then the second press is like the virgin. Yeah. Virgin olive oil comes next. And then finally, it's just like boring old olive oil. And so it's the first part. The whole point, I'm just rabbiting on about extra virgin olive oil. But I want you to understand that the first bit is the best bit. The first bit is the best bit. That's what first fruits is all about. And those Italians, they love their extra virgin olive oil. That's why they live so long. And you see it in those Dormio ads, you know, the old guy sitting around the table and just celebrating life in his 80s and 90s because he's eating the, the beautiful virgin olive oil. So... Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits. See, that's the extra virgin, the first of the first fruits. You can't say it any other way. 
the extra virgin of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Okay, a couple of things here. The first of the first, first fruits of the land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The house of the Lord. There's one place for that offering. One place. It's the house of the Lord. It's not our, our decision or our choice to allocate our first fruits offering. We can't say, well, I want to give a little bit to this particular charity over here. And, you know, my Aunt Mabel needs an operation, so I'm going to give a little bit over here. And my cousin Jerry, he's been out of work for like three years, so I'm going to just support him with a little bit of finance. No, that's not the choice. The choice is that the first bit, the best bit belongs to God. We bring that to the house of the Lord. That's the local church. The second part is this, that we're going to bring it. We're going to bring it. There's, there's a delineation that's quite distinct here. We're going to bring the offering. We don't give the offering. Why don't we give the offering? Because the offering, that particular portion, as God said before, belongs to Him. So it's not ours in the first place. It's His. So if we can't give what's not ours. We bring it. So for example, if I say to Jeff, Hey Jeff, can I borrow your boat for the weekend? And... <laughs> exactly. And I didn't script him to say that. I just obviously he's not going to trust me with his boat because he knows too well that I can't drive a boat to save myself. Um, so he's not going to lend me the boat. But just say, for example, he did. On the off, he just he just has a seizure. <laughs> so I'm driving Jeff's boat. Um, I take it fishing, just have a wonderful time. Um, and I, say a week later, I come back to Jeff and I say, Jeff, you seem like a really nice guy. You're just, you're like, you're generous to people, you're kind to people, you go around about helping other people. I mean, you're a modern day Robin Hood, really, aren't you? I mean, stick some green tights on you in a pointy hat, you virtually would be Robin Hood. And I think to myself, Jeff, you're such a nice guy. You're so generous and kind to other people. I think, and, and you're so busy. I really think that you need to give yourself a hobby. You need a hobby, Jeff. You've got no time for yourself. You really need a hobby. And I said, how about I bless you with this boat? I just want to extend generosity to you, and I'm going to give you this boat. It's all yours. No, 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 no. Don't say a word. It's all yours. Go take it out for a spin. Go fishing. Have, knock yourself out. Have a blast. You know what Jeff's going to say to me when I do that? Well, I can't actually tell you what he'd say right up here on the stage, but you guys can kind of get the drift of what he's going to say. And for me to summarize it, it's going to be something like, get nicked, it's my boat, give it back to me now, you're never having it again. Um, so that's because it was never my boat in the first place, was it? I can't pull a stunt like that. It wasn't mine. I just brought it back. I'm bringing the boat back to Jeff. I'm not giving it to him. And so when we have what we earn, the first bit, the first fruits, belongs to God. And so we bring it to Him as an offering. So another example of the first fruits was when the Israelites um, were entering into the promised land for the first time, they came upon the first city, which was called Jericho. And it was a big walled city. And God said to them, because this is the first city, 
This represents a first fruits offering to me. And I want you to give me all of the silver and the gold that's in that city. It all belongs to me. That was a symbol of first fruits. So they didn't get to keep any of that silver and gold for themselves. They had to bring it all to God. And can you imagine? Can you imagine those Israelites going, but this is the first city. Who knows if we're going to get more cities? And look at all the silver and gold. Maybe we should just kind of separate a little bit for ourselves and keep some of it for ourselves. But God wanted them to trust Him. He wanted them to have faith enough to take the next step. And we can look back in history and see, well, all the other cities that they were able to conquer and how rich they became as they stepped into that land that was flowing with milk and honey. But they had to trust God. They had to step forward and, and give, them, give back to God, to honor God with the first. The first bit became, uh, became God's. The first portion is the redemptive portion. If you bring the first, then the rest is blessed. That's really amazing. So we can either give the first or we can, we can do it two ways, can't we? We can give the first or we can give kind of the leftovers. We can give whatever's left behind. And here's an example of that that we find in the Bible from two brothers, Cain and Abel. You may be familiar with the story, but I'm just going to read some of it. In Genesis 4, verse 3 to 5. In the process of time, in the process of time, so it wasn't straight away, it was kind of time went by. It came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel, his brother, also brought of the firstborn of his flock, the firstborn and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And I've read that story so many times and thought to myself, well, what's the difference? They both brought an offering to God. And God respected one lot of offering, but he didn't respect the other lot of offering. And I think the key word that we can see there, the difference, was that Abel brought the firstborn. And that is important to God. Why is it important to give the first and not just... I mean, it's the same. It might be the same 10%, but there's a significant difference. Because I think God is wanting for us to trust him. Like I said, he wants the first in faith, believing so that's my, my third and final point, that the tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. It belongs to God. Leviticus 27.30 And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So what's the relevance for, the, for us today? How do we, we don't have a, a crop of trees, we don't have orchards, we don't have vines, but how do, we, how do we bring that kind of reality? How do we honor God with our finances by bringing our first? Well, I think of it this way. If I get my pay packet, what's the first portion of that? What's the first fruits of that? I would say, to put it simply, it's the first 10% that leaves my bank account. Where does it go? Where does that first portion go to? Does it go to pay off your credit card? Or does it go to pay the mortgage? Or does it go for the groceries or the or the petrol, or where does it go? And I think that is just a way for us to honor God by actually giving Him the first portion. So rather than like paying this bill and paying, oh, I've got to pay this bill and these things are owing, blah, 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 and I get to the end of the thing, oh, there's none left. There's none left to give to God, or there's a little bit, so I can give God that little bit. 
but the trust factor is gone. If there's, le- if there's surplus and left over, yeah, sure, I'm going to bless God with that 10%, but it means something different to us then, doesn't it? Because we're not giving in faith anymore, we're just giving out of our surplus. But giving the first portion to God is harder, but it's an act of faith, believing and trusting that God's going to bless me. And I can only challenge you in this way. How can you know that tithing is going to bring a blessing to you apart from stepping out in obedience and trying it? There's no other way. It can't be proven to you because if you, if you have never done it before, you'll just simply argue and say, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to do it because there's no money left in the account. But if you're willing to step out in obedience... You will see God provide for you in miraculous ways. He will rebuke the devourer for your sake if you're willing to step out in obedience. I know this is a challenging word, hey, but this is where rubber meets the road with our faith. We can either give it lip service or we can actually do something with it. And money is probably one of the the simplest and most real ways for us to honor God because it hurts, it It actually costs us something when we give it back to Him. So I want to encourage you. I want to put that challenge out to you. But try it. Try it. Try setting, even put it in your diary and say, from this date to this date I was tithing. Has it affected my finances? Am I blessed or am I still struggling? Do it. And then you'll see. Do it and then you'll see. It's not for me. It's not for Christy. It's not for Oasis Church. It's for your relationship with God. It's for you honoring God and you wait and see. You watch and see what He can do through your life and in your finances and the redemptive, the redemptive quality of that first fruits offering. It's really amazing.